Hi, this is Steve Addison and you're listening to the Movements Podcast. A podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches everywhere. Today we're on a journey to Rajasthan, Northeast India, where 80 million people live. And we're talking to Glenn and Rhonda Stewart. construction, um, a little bit of a, a heavy drinker, you might say, and God changed my life around and, and set me free from, uh, from that alcohol issue, and I felt really um, a debt of gratitude to the Lord for that, and I just, I asked and said to the Lord, I, I would do whatever he wanted me to do with my life. I, I had no idea what he had in mind. But uh, he um, ended up on some short-term trips and led to attend college and on to seminary and a two-plus-three program where we met some of our mutual friends and just ended up um, going to the Rajasthan and starting our work there. Uh, I had served as a journeyman in Japan, for um for two years and um so then I came back and started at South at seminary at Southeastern to get the hours that I needed to go back I already had a job um on the books with my name on it and I was headed back there when Glenn and I met um in seminary and um so we fell in love and decided to get married and and then started that process together and he found out that the two plus three program um, was heading to India. The the two plus three program. We all went out um, together to the same place. So, um, so that's how how we ended. So up. there were a group of you from from seminary who were all going out to Rajasthan. Yeah. There were probably twelve about twelve or fourteen, 12 or 14 units. units. Wow. We all came out at the same time. Okay. And why why Rajasthan? What's the need there? Well, in the state of Rajasthan, there is 80 million people uh, without hardly any access to the gospel. And uh, it was on a short-term trip, rooming with one of the professors. And in a moment of prophecy, I suppose, I don't know, he told me that I was going to come back and be what we called the strategy coordinator for that place. And um, so we took that to heart a little bit. and. Indeed, that's what the Lord had in mind. So well, that 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 must have been a lucky coincidence because I know Southern Baptists don't prophesy, do they? That's right. Of <laughs> four or five months pregnant, and with so our first. with our first one. So I, I've met some first-time parents here in America, and they're a little unsettled. So you take that to a third-world country. <laughs> give it a go um it's it was uh, a real experience to uh, have that first child and right there four yeah. months or so after right yeah, after <laughs> after we had arrived and so it was just a, a life of adjustments I would say yeah. <laughs> even yeah. even till now you know 18 years later uh we've mentioned a couple times together we're we're not the same people we were 18 years ago yeah. 
Yeah. And in that early period, what what were you learning about how you engage people with the gospel and how you make disciples? Often I came back home and would tell Rhonda I was overly trained in apologetics, you might say. And uh, we, I would go out there and I would try to apply my craft, as it were, to try to create a crisis of faith for these guys. And, of course, in uh, the law of non-contradiction doesn't apply to the Hindu mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. Two things can be opposite in the same way at the same time and both be true. And so I would tell her, you know, I, I sat down with these guys for an hour and I feel like I won the argument. But they're no closer mm. than when we sat down to knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we realized that's that's just not going to be an effective approach. And uh, we had been exposed to some of new tribes practices early on. And we also had um, a, short, a smaller story set that we had used for children that was uh, practiced in the Philippines and developed there. And so that little book made it over there with us. And uh, so I had found a young man to go out and hit the streets with, so to speak. And we thought, we'll just start telling these Bible stories. We'll find people who will give us an opportunity to tell them what's in the Bible. And that is the way we got from apologetics over into a chronological Bible story set. And then uh, that is our gospel. So through those years, uh, we honestly didn't realize how much you would have to wrestle with the Lord. But through those trials and and failures and and failing forward, if you will, just come to a moment of clarity, perhaps, and just ask God, God, if you'll give us your plan, Mm-hmm. then perhaps we could just save everybody a whole lot of time. And I think I really believe God just w- is good to those, uh, you know, very basic, honest, uh, we don't stand a chance if you don't show up, God, kind of prayers. And he's gracious to lead us in a path to develop um, a, a method that has come the that we call the way, just like Paul said, he was a, a member of the sect, the way, and believed all those things written by the law and the prophets. Um, and so we we didn't have the entire method put together in the beginning. It was very much trying to translate stories. Uh, my, my national partner had never sat behind a laptop. And I didn't know anything about the language. And so we were trying to find fonts and match fonts to keys in the English language. And it was it was a blast. We we had spent all day and probably translate four to five paragraphs on mm. Saturday, as it were. And it was just in time. We would just we just stayed ahead of the need then for the next several years. So there was a period of struggle when you were realizing apologetics isn't going to cut it, and you yes. moved to more, uh, like, did you say chronological Bible stories? Yes. So, But then the added thing was a desperation before God in prayer, that, Lord, we've 
done our best, but you're going to need to show up and, and give us a way forward. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It, was, it was such a monumental task. To, I felt the responsibility for the state of 80 million. That's, that's the assignment. And just sitting with the Lord, and just, there's no way that I know of to reach everybody, 54,000 or 45,000 villages. Uh, I don't have access to TV and radio. Those are the only things that came to my mind that could possibly reach. And then we had Jesus film. And I was just like, we, we don't, we don't have 80 million Jesus film. And so I just didn't know how in the world it was even possible. What, what happened was that this approach was gaining us, uh, allowing us access into Hindu homes. And so uh, off of uh, Acts 16, 30, if, if the head of the household believes, then he and the whole household will be saved. So we had this, this um, idea in, in this society, if the head of the household doesn't approve of what's going on, then it's just not going to happen. And so we wanted, we didn't want to put people on a spot where they might be the only believer in a family. So we tried to gain entry into the homes. And we found that with the prospect of uh, learning about the Bible, um, people, people were not uh, put off by that. And they were willing to let us into their homes. And so right away, um, we started one and two and three, and maybe at, even after we stopped adding Bible studies to our groups um, at 15, we ended up with 27, uh, just for neighbors would ask to come to their house and what have you. But uh, as they talked through the stories, this is how we know about God, and this is who God is, and this is his characteristics, and he created everything. And you get to man and woman and sin and the consequences of sin, I began to see that the reality of the Bible matched the reality of the world that they lived in. Mm. Unlike elephant-headed gods or people, or you know what I'm saying? Mm. But there was pain in childbirth. We return to dust. We have to work and sweat for a living. There are rainbows in the skies. And for me, as a kind of almost as a bystander myself, telling and trying to understand how the Lord was working, I, I think that was the realization that the story of the Bible matches the content or, or ma it matches, identifies directly with the reality of the world that they live in. We had uh, decided that we were going to try to engage the entire family with the, the husband there mm. in the in the homes. And yeah, some a lot of times the families can be um, fairly large, but we were in a, a slum area, and so they they tended to be the mother and father and handful of children in in, a, in the slums. That typically in, the people in the city in the slums are from the village, and so a lot of their family is out there. And I'll just mention that we feel like that's one of the issues with trying to reach people in the city because they're disconnected from the body of the family and they just don't make 
very large decisions without that community, typically, at least in our culture. And so we found that that was an issue. But as we engaged them through entry in the premise that we wanted to pray for them, and, and then they would say, well, why do you want to pray for us? And we were followers of Jesus Christ. And they would say, well, who is Jesus Christ? And we're like, you never heard of Jesus? They're like, before today, I've never heard his name. And we'd say, well, here, we we got this um, video, the Jesus film, of course, and we could show them. And then they would be pretty uh, put off that he did not deserve to die. And so, well, you'd like to learn more about him, then we'd be glad to come here and have a Bible study in your home. And we did not, we did not even if you had a neighbor uh, join two families together because it, we may have tried it in the beginning, but it became impossible to keep everybody on track with the stories. And Mm -hmm. so just as a family unit, it, it was a lot easier to just to stay house by house. And so that's a, that's a practice that's been set as a DNA in the, in the work that Every home is engaged individually and um, according to their convenience. So there's this um, servant mentality, posturing that that you are taught that they can have. They whenever they have the time is when we have the Bible study. There, the third lesson talks about God created everything, including spirits. And some of those, you know, rebelled against him. Uh, we, we tell him, you'd be surprised that you know the names of these spirits. You know, they're called by the name demons. And they're, you know, in these places, dark places, demons and spirit, that kind of warfare is, it's every day. Everybody's had experience with that. Possessed people, uh, different encounters in different ways. And so we all, I always wanted to get to that lesson the first time I met with them, but then to tell them, but God is more powerful than they are because he created them. He didn't create them bad. They, they did that on their own, but he's still, he's more powerful than they are. And so there's, there's a hook right there that comes in in the first three lessons. Uh, those are sh- really short lessons. I always uh, tried to get in the first time I met them. And then as we spoke earlier, we get to childbirth and pain in childbirth. And there's not a lady in these busties or villages that probably even had a Tylenol, you know, for that childbirth. So they, they're like, yeah, this is yes in, in our country. And those heads are going, man. And, and they have to work hard for a living. And they return to dust from where they came. Mm. Uh, There's a rainbow in the sky, but they never knew why it was there. And so we just saw God, that reality of the Bible matched up the reality that they lived in. But at the same time, he is revealing all of these things that we would call doctrine. He's all knowing. He knows the future. He's in control of all these things. And it it was for for me, just never being in that situation and having that perspective, it was pretty astounding to watch, to understand how I had learned these things academically, 
but to see that the, the common man and woman understood them perfectly as as God intended, just rolling it out in their everyday life. And so it was a, a, a real treat to be with these families for a long, you know, in the beginning, we only had the written document. And so when we got the lesson 22, that's the Ten Commandments. And now we're pretty good friends with these people. We've been coming for quite a few weeks now. And you get to the 22, you know, to lesson 22 and the first commandment and their countenance drops and it's just a rainy day. And it never rains in our state, but it's a rainy day in that home. They know that they have offended the one true God. I've seen it over and over and over again. You know, have you broken, uh, it was a rhetorical question. I try to tell him, don't answer this question, but have you broken it? I had one guy, one of the earliest guys that we got to lesson 22 with, and he said, have you broken any of these commandments? And he said, I've broken them all. And I was like, whoa, there, there's that one about murder in there. But uh, let's not, we won't go in too deep on that. But um, they knew that they had, you just saw, and, and the next week you, you saw amulets come off. You saw different signs of um, uh, worshiping idols disappear. Just, just from that lesson, we're still um, 14 lessons or so from the end of the story set where we'll ask for um, or give the opportunity to repent and believe. But um, that day was always, always significant. Um, and I think it's in, just vitally important that that's a part of, you know, our, our gospel presentation. And so as, as you've heard us talking about this, so not only are we revealing the doctrines of God, these story sets provide a hermeneutic through which they'll continue to understand the entire Bible, their entire life, that the Bible is about God. It's about Jesus Christ, and it's not about us. This is the truth about God is written in the Bible. And, and so there's a there's a pattern of hermeneutical um, interpretation that, that's going on that prevents uh, from heresies developing, and which don't generally occur you know, outside of the academy anyway. Right? Now, during this time, Rhonda, um, while he's having all this fun, were you able to be involved in some of this frontline work or were you at home trying to just educate the kids and all of that? What, what was going on for you? The majority of my time was in the home. We had three children in our first term, in our first three years on the field. We had, we had three kids. <laughs> So um, three years, three kids in three years. So so, yes, I was I was at home the majority of the time. But Glenn was always really <clears throat> I mean, I, I've always said I, I've always felt like, you know, I had um, just as strong uh, an apostolic calling as as he did. And um, but Glenn was always really good, really faithful to keep me actively involved in what was going on, even during those early years where we had so many littles. Um, he would, a lot of these homes that he's talking about that he was going into for Bible study, um, he would go back at a separate time and take me and the kids 
just for a social visit. We'd go for dinner. Or we'd go, you know, just to spend time, have tea and visit some of these homes at a different time than when they were having, because we would have just been a distraction and they wouldn't have been able to have the Bible study um, because of caring for me and, and my babies. So, um, but yeah, so I got to be involved in that way. So I got to learn a lot of the, meet a lot of these people, learn their names, learn their stories, learn their, um, and that really helped to beef up our prayer strategy. Um, you know, that really, I, I would use that information then to relay that back to the people in the in the states that were praying for us and for our work and for these individual homes that, that they were going into um, week after week. And um, so that was always a really important part of my role during those early years was um, was the prayer that was happening um, for all of these families. So what what happened next? As we got through those first initial people, they they wanted to get baptized. And so I had in mind this indiscreet place where I knew there was some water. I thought we could go there in the early morning hours and it'd be sort of public, but not not asking for trouble. Um, and, and they were just flat out dead against it. They were like, no, we, we want to go. They said that was dirty water. And they wanted to go to a temple and take their baptism. It had a public swimming area. It had a public access or place, you know, to dip in there and, and do whatever you do in Hinduism. And so it, the, the boldness of that struck me mm-hmm. that they wanted to do that. And, that, and, and the basic uh, idea was, you know, would they turn back and they're they like, we, where would we turn? How could we turn back? And so I, I was so glad that that time spent giving that biblical overview established them so firmly, gave them such a good footing for uh, Christian life and in community that was courageous and and just as the scripture says all those who choose to live godly in christ will suffer persecution and it just sort of rolled off them like water off a duck's back they it was just fine with them that's that's fine you know and we'll take the risks and and so i was kind of taken back by that but as we continue to move forward steve we were Man, we had 35 stories. It took a year to try to deliver these 35 stories. Uh, it was, we learned so much by trying to do it ourselves. Rhonda has often mentioned that that was part of uh, the the real good part of trying to roll it out ourselves. I learned so much about culture and and they get sick, I get sick. I have to go places. They have to go places. Because if I just went in there with a with a method and tried to teach it to people, I would have been like, you know, why aren't you done with these stories yet? You know, mm-hmm. uh, it's it's thirty five stories, thirty five weeks, right? But um, that just turned out to not be the way that it happened. So after a year, I was like, okay, this is even worse than I imagined. <laughs> I'm never going to get anywhere. And then I was at uh, a, a meeting of colleagues. And a guy just 
mentioned to me, have you seen or heard about these things called SD cards? I was like, no, I don't. He's younger than I am. Uh, you can tell by my gray hair, I'm a little up there in uh, age. And these young guys are on the cutting edge of technology. And he's just like, yeah, you, it's expandable memory and all this kind of terminology. I had no idea what he was talking about. But he said, you can put stuff on it. Videos, you can put recordings, music, any movies, anything on there and put it in your phone. And so God gave us the idea, well, maybe we could record all this teaching in on audio. Um, never recorded anything in my life. Didn't know anything about it, but you don't have to know these things. God is doing this. And honestly, we were long for the ride. You know, we were just wherever we could help out, God would let us help out. You know, and so we had to find a video uh, audio um, access and get the rest of the content translated and ready. Like Rhonda said, it, we did Bible story stories, uh, which were just the narrative of the Bible told. Strictly, it, it wasn't um, crafted in any way. It was simply the narrative with a few comments about this is an important part of this scripture. And so we got a hold, and I, I did, since I'd had that conversation probably eight years or nine years earlier, I, I felt like God had given me that answer. Mm. That this this can go into those forty five thousand villages. I want to jump in and just back up just a a second because I think we skipped a, a segment there from where Glenn and Deep Rides are doing all these Bible studies themselves. They're mm. going out there, and those were really important years because mm. Glenn was modeling um, w- with Deep Rides day in and day out. You know how to do this, and um, but. They also, at the same time, they were also working with some of the some established church partners, crew, and others, and um, and and trying to take this tool and train others to use it. And so they were doing that all around Rajasthan. We had a, a crew partner who was just connected everywhere in the state um, that that had any little pockets of believers, and so they were going and training um, and. They came across two separate um, in the northern part of our state and then down right along the southern border of our state. They came across two pockets of people who actually, when they came back, had actually done what they had asked them to do. They had trained place after place after place and nothing was really happening. Nobody was really doing Mm -hmm. um, a lot of what, you know, what they were asking them to do. But these two groups of of believers that they met um, really started doing and sharing and going into homes and starting their own Bible studies. Um, in fact, in one of the places they had gone in and they had trained about 30, 30 people um, and they came back and those those people had started 180 Bible studies. Um, so an average of about six Bible studies a person um, in that one in that one area. And um, so that was when they really started, really started investing in those two places. Um, And it was through that when we started seeing people really being faithful to using the tool that was a written book 
that that was another kind of aha moment because we realized there's a lot of illiterate people that are ready to do this and willing to do this and can do this, but they can't read. And so we we created a picture book that went along with the 35 lessons. And um, that was really helpful. I remember one sister, Sita, um, she had gone from like having four Bible studies to like having 16 or 17 Bible studies just overnight, but just because of having that book and the confidence that it gave her. The reason we did the picture book was because they started saying, we're sharing the stories kind of from memory, but we lose track of the order. And that was why the picture book came along. So then they were really, people were really starting to be faithful and obedient to share, starting Bible studies, being in homes. Um, We were seeing new believers. We were seeing baptisms begin um, to happen. And then that is when the SD card sort of came in into the picture. How does the SD card work? Now we we accompany every SD card. So we an individual is bringing that message to the family. Um, and I think research has been done in the past. I know I know specifically what I'm relating to here, but it's it's really it's the character of the person who brings the message has a lot to do with whether the people are going to believe or not. And so every one of these SD cards are brought by a believing, we, we call ourselves servants. They're, they're servants, and, and we try to stay away from hierarchy. And so just every, yeah, every time we get into yeah. a house, it, it's brought by a person, and then that person walks them through the 35 stories. The very first story in the second set is baptism, repent and believe. And the focus of the lesson as we get baptized is as Jesus came out of the water, he started his earthly ministry. And it's time for you now to start your earthly ministry. There's still a lot of content, Steve, that go through on the SD card. But we take that brand new baptized believer and they, we help them. We go with them and help them start a Bible study. So typically, even if they're poor or illiterate, they'll have a phone. Yes. I've heard pastors in India say, uh, everybody in India has a phone. They may not have a change of clothes, but they have a phone. Um, so, yes, every everybody. Um, it's, very, it's very unusual. Now, there are instances where we have found people without a phone, but um, it is, it's very unusual to find there wouldn't okay. be at least so, one phone in a home. So the servant, um, they go through together listening to the 35 studies and doing the 35 studies, and they've got the um, picture book to go along with that. When well, now on the phones with the SD card, the pictures are on the phone. So you okay. Can, All the right. pictures are on the phone. And then when they're ready to turn and believe, they're baptized and equipped immediately to to take this message to another home themselves. That's right. And and Steve, that's why the SD card became so so effective and why I think that was the point when we really started to see growth happen um, because 
up to that point, there was always barriers um, mm-hmm. to sharing. There, my literacy, the fact that I could read from the book and share the story with you, um, all those things were barriers to the reproducibility of it. But once it was on that SD card and I sit there with you and just press play, I, may, I, could, I could read the stories to you because I'm literate. But if I just sit there with you and just press play and we listen to it together, then there's no, there's nothing that has happened that you, you can't say, well, I can do that too. I can do exactly what you did. So I can share. I can press play new believer could go and take their phone and, and start sharing with their right, They begin sharing with their oikos. That's right. Mm. This is the printing press, you realize. Yeah. You know, we, we sort of think, oh, that doesn't sound very spiritual, SD cards. But the idea that everybody could have a New Testament in their hand, um, that was revolutionary. Um, yeah. and, and this is similarly revolutionary in India, I would imagine. Yeah, we felt like it was a really kind of, we got to be there at an incredible point in history where mm-hmm. technology was such that everyone had access to a phone and to be able to stick that SD card in their phone and we could put God's word on there. Um, and it's on there in full. There's the full Bible's on there as well. But then there's also this systematic approach to, um, as Glenn calls it, an intentional growth path for, for making a disciple um, was on that SD card that could take them systematically through um, the, the biblical narrative and then through a discipleship process even all the way through doctrine and leadership development. Um, and they could have it right there in every home. And God gave us the grace to realize early on. And even when we were teaching the stories from the written content, that if, if I added things that I knew about the Bible, then I set myself up as an expert. And that would be a tremendous handicap for them to ever overcome. They would never think they could be as good as Glenn or Deep Rod or the next guy or the next guy. And so just as a practical practice, we've trained ourselves not to add anything to the content. And suppose you were there and you might ask, well, does God require sacrifices today? We would just say, hey, that is a really great question. We're so glad that you're listening so well. And if you'll continue to listen, you'll answer that question for yourself. So point them back to God's word was really important to grow them as individuals. Once once we got that into their hands, they were absolutely unstoppable. I mean, I've grown men my age, you know, weeping that had they had been taking his daughter that was 10 years old to read the Bible for him so he could try to talk about God's word to his neighbors and, you know, and all of this. And he was just like, I've been praying for years that God would give me the ability to do this on my own. And, you know, he, he did. But then once that SD card came, and like he said, he, he felt competent and confident now to go without his daughter and to, to follow this process. And that was when not only did it start to multiply, but it started to spread. Because at that time, it was, it was soon after that, that then he came to us and asked the question, well, I know these people in this other district. 
So now that I don't need Lakshmi anymore, his daughter, now that I don't need to take her along with me, well, it'd be okay if I go over there and share the SD card with those people that I that I know in this other district. And we were like, of course we would. <laughs> of course, that's that's great. But then that also freed up Lakshmi, who had now learned the process, you know, inside and out by going along with her father since she was 12 years old. And now she's a young teenage lady. She begins now going with her mother, who's also illiterate, and taking her and teaching her how to, to do the process. So it really started not only to just not only to multiply within the villages, but it started to spread to other districts um, and even other uh, surroundings. Well, that's all we've got time for today. But the good news is Glenn and Rhonda are coming back. There's more to tell in the next episode of the Movements Podcast. Thanks for listening.